0: Um, so to get into Lent, we are walking through a series called Broke. Broke can mean a few different things. Broke can mean having nothing to spend, right? Having nothing of our own, having nothing left. It can mean dysfunctional if something's not working, working right. It can also mean not whole, fractured, incomplete. All of these things describe us in sin, all of these things also describe what Jesus became for us. He became broke on our behalf so that we might be made whole. This is an act of grace. It's a gift. We can't talk about what we gain without talking about what he loses, okay? We can't talk about our gift without talking about his loss. And that's what a gift is, right? A gift is voluntary loss. I am volunteering this even though I'll no longer have it, so you can have it. It's voluntarily losing something for someone else's gain. And we can talk about grace without talking about loss. It's possible. We can talk about what God gives, what we get. But that's called cheap grace. It doesn't cost God anything. It doesn't cost us anything. It's just free money out of the air, right? And we know that that doesn't really exist. Grace is costly. Grace costs Jesus something. Grace costs us something once we receive it. Um, Once we receive God's grace, it costs us our life the same way it costs us his to give us grace. So in the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he says this, what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us, okay? Um, Or in the words of Jesus himself, more importantly, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him voluntarily give himself for whoever and follow, take up his cross daily and follow me. Receive that loss, receive that death and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now that should make us pause. That should make us sober up a little bit. That it's not just about free grace, but that grace actually costs God something and costs us something when we follow Christ. And we say, well, uh, we want to volunteer that loss. We want to give. We, we, we want to do more and, and, and give of our time and our resources and, and give for our relationships. We, most people want to give more for the sake of others, but time is limited. Money is limited. Resources are limited, and I just don't have enough to give. I might not even have the opportunities to give, right? So today, if we're talking about volunteering loss, we're going to talk about what God is actually asking of us and how we can do that. How every disciple, every follower of Christ can give more for him. So let's focus first on the what. What is God asking of us? We talk about sacrifice. We talk about giving. And these tend... In the church world, unfortunately, these tend to be dull words after a while. We hear them so much, we kind of forget their meaning, what sacrifice means, what loss means. But if you've known loss, significant loss, that will never be dull. That pain will always be there. Even if it's something as grandiose and as dramatic as Hurricane Harvey, as Parkland, Florida, knowing that loss, or it can be something as deeply personal as a miscarriage, the loss of a family member, significant, life-shattering loss will never leave us dull. In fact, if we're asked to volunteer loss, if we're talking about sacrifice and giving, asking to volunteer loss Here is my life, God. Take with it what you will. Do with it what you will. It is all yours. Once we have experienced significant loss, it almost seems impossible to willingly give like that again. And I'll even take it one further. It almost seems cruel of God to ask that of his people. Especially when we relate it to this story. Um, abraham and isaac here's this man who has a miracle baby literally outside the realm of age to have children Um, and yet god gives him a child but not just any child not just a child so he can have a child but a child who actually bears the promise of god to save the entire world and abraham is asked not just to give his son to god to give him to the ministry to you know do to to let him go away but to actively slaughter his son i will admit i can't put myself in abraham's shoes there is a mental block there i can't even i can't bring myself to think like that um before our first child was born we found out audrey was pregnant we would regularly pray these prayers of dedication um over her this is god this is your child this is not ours whatever happens whatever may come is for your glory may she be for your glory may we our family be for your glory whatever you would do and then we started feeling her kick and then she was born we learned her personality then we got another child and another child and and the love grew, the treasure grew, and it became harder and harder and less frequent to pray that prayer, God, this is yours. Because to even fathom that loss, instinctively, I want to close my hands. I don't want to keep my hands open for God. I want to close my hands. I'll say, God, take my life, but not that. Anything but that. And Abraham and Isaac, let's be honest this story just this story loses people if they are not acquainted with god or scripture or love or grace this story loses people because honestly what kind of loving god would ask that of his of his instrument of his agent especially the own promise that he gave what kind of god would do that i'll say i'm not going to pretend that I know the workings of the mind of God, but I will say this, at least the question is on track. It's not about Abraham. It's about God. Abraham's not the focus of this story. His faith is not the focus of the story. Isaac is not the focus of the story. It's God. Who is God? What does he do? What's he like? That's always the focus of scripture. So at least the question is, what kind of God is this? That's the question we should be asking. We should not just pass over this story as if everything is hunky-dory. Did we just see what he asked him to do? Take a knife, slaughter your son. Offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. That is dark. That should make us stop and say, what kind of God is this? That loses people, but at least they're on track. What kind of God is this? So that hopefully we can read through to the end of the story and find out that this is not a God like the rest of the pagan, like so many pagan gods in that time and that place. That would follow through and demand child sacrifice. That this God was different. So that Abraham was able to prophetically and correctly say, God will provide the sacrifice. It is not going to be for me, not today. It's not going to be for my son. God will provide the sacrifice. And I don't think that he even fully understood what he was saying because God did provide the sacrifice that day with a ram in place of Isaac, but I don't think he fully fathomed that God would provide the lamb of God for the sake of the world, that God would provide the ultimate sacrifice, and not just for Abraham, and not just for Isaac, not just for Jacob or his 12 sons, not just for the the promised nation of Israel, the promised church the spiritual new israel to come for you and me that god would provide the sacrifice instead of us the voluntary loss that it took so that we might gain everything in him and now so here's here's where our voluntary loss comes in because christ gave all to gain us okay and so that we might gain all the riches of heaven but if that is the god who dwells in our hearts if he is the christ who dwells within us then our life should be characterized by his and our sense of voluntary loss our sense of giving should be characterized by his and reflect him okay so all the work that he does for the world he does through us now and since he gave all he counted all his loss so do we nothing is our own everything is a gift so this is this kind of scratches the surface on what is it that god is asking of us this this just scratches the surface so if we're going to talk how now how can i actually bring myself to to do that um there, there are a few things first and foremost is connecting with god in his word okay because w- what is the word of god that's where we find him That's where we find his invitations into his presence. That's where we find his command that tells us what he wants of us. That's where we find his grace that says, when you inevitably fall in that command, you are still dearly loved. You are still forgiven. You are still my child. You are still characterized by my son. All of that comes with God and his word. So to know what we are to give and how we are to live and how we are to be sustained by him, we have to stay connected to him and that is through his word that's what we're doing here today right basking in the word worshiping by his word receiving his word that's the whole point next is confessing now this this is this is a tricky word confess literally means to say the same homo legeo, same to say okay So what are we saying the same about? When we confess our sin, we are saying the same thing about that sin that God says about that sin. It's bad. It disconnects me from you, God. It destroys my life, God. Now, where do we get that? God has told us what sin does, right? When we confess our sin, we say the same thing about that sin that God says about that sin. When we confess the creed, the story of God, we're saying the same thing about who God is and how he works that God has said in about himself. We're just echoing his word. That's confession. And it's not just something we say. It's something that we think. It's something that we believe. It's something that we live out. A confession is in alignment with God. Doing what he does. Saying what he does. Thinking what he does. Not necessarily understanding. Not necessarily with perfection but confessing is an alignment with God aligning our life is because frankly that is the only way we can volunteer loss I can't give like that I could never hope to give like that I have to say take it take me take it from me this is yours I volunteer my loss to him so that he can volunteer it for the world So we connect with God. We confess ourselves. We align ourselves to God. And lastly, we contribute. The actual act of of giving. The actual act of pouring out. We we can only give what we have. Is that fair to say? Can't give it if we don't have it. We we only give out of what we have. Now, it it seems counterintuitive that this is the way that God would choose to manage his people and his stuff in his world right it seems counterintuitive to say to properly manage it i have to give it away right i mean it it's it's the exact opposite and yet this is how god talks about investing in his world so it's kind of like this i went to a, a garden store and there's this fountain there these three pots stacked on each other um And there's a hose that leads from the bottom of the fountain to the top. So, water comes into the hose, which goes to the top. It fills that top pot. And these pots are tilted in such a way. So, it fills this top pot. And as that fills up, it spills into the next one, which fills up and spills into the next one, which fills up and spills to the bottom, which is then fed back to the top. And this is the management of God's kingdom. See, we. We talk about church, and this is not necessarily wrong, but is a place to be refilled so we can pour out during the week, okay? Which is kind of like those those buckets at the pool, you know, that that fill up at the very top, and when they get full enough, then they tilt over and spill out. But that's not really the picture. The picture is a constantly tilted pot. So that as it is being filled, it is spilling all the time, all the time. It fills up and spills. It fills up and spills. It fills up and spills. And that's just the way life is for the people of God okay everything that we receive everything that it that goes into that pot gets spilled out everything okay and that's how our life is now when we moved back to texas i was so happy when we got home i don't know if y'all are aware of this but anywhere else in the country if you go to a mexican food restaurant you have to pay for your second basket of chips or your third or in my case your fourth or fifth okay you have to pay for every single one here it's bottomless. Chips and salsa. And, you know, we, we spend time in a Mexican food restaurant during the week, right? And I reflect on what a beautiful thing this is. I, I, do <laughs> I get there early so I can have a bowl uh, before they get there. Um, and, and I reflect on what a beautiful thing it is. But, you know, as we talk about loss this morning, volunteering that loss, um, we can reflect on how much more beautiful It is to receive bottomless grace, ever-flowing. Ever-flowing from this forever tree where the greatest loss of God was volunteered so that we could forever receive our greatest gains.